58 weeks ago, you sent me off. <laughs> if you're a guest today, in person or online, my apologies that you joined us at the week that they let me come back. <laughs> if I don't have something to say after 58 weeks, I haven't been uh, thoughtful. And um, I haven't really been thinking about much, so let's see how this goes. I, uh, I do, Ann and I did receive a gift, though, uh, at our send-away, and uh, if worse comes to worse, at least I can read some of the book that we received from here. This is The Great Adventure, Retirement Advice According to E-Kids. <laughs> Thank you. And I want you to know that we have enjoyed it all, and we have taken some of it, and I think that you would enjoy hearing just uh, a few of the pieces of advice that we were sent with 58 weeks ago. Save your money <laughs> and buy a trampoline. <laughs> Spend your money on things you need, like candy. <laughs> Go to Disneyland, take a hike, and just keep having adventures. We have. Stay in a place where you don't have to pay taxes so you can enjoy your last few years of life. <laughs> Parents, I did research. I know who was being channeled there. I, I know. I took offense of the last part, by the way. And the last one I'll share. Take care of your grandchildren. Travel and make adventures. We have. Yeah. At my advanced age, I've discovered that it's hard to make new friends. I think as we age that we find that our social circles change, and that as they change, that it's a little harder to break into new friendships and new social, social, social circles. That's a long thought. Uh, when we get the hometown newspaper, Anna and I used to laugh at Bonnie because she read the obituaries first. All of her friends are dead. And we now read about our friends. So good long-term friends are being more cherished by me now than they ever have been in life. Which is one of the reasons when I read the email, I was stunned. It was shocking. I was appalled. I was gobsmacked, as the Brits say. Let's call him Sam. We've been friends for over 15 years, know the, our families well. Uh, they moved away out of state a while ago. We visited them in their home. We've gone out for dinner. We text, we phone, we email. A good, relatively long-term friend. I was stunned when I read the email. Life is different now that I have moved far, far away. I now have new friends and a whole new life. Hopefully my stupidity and ignorance in choosing friends in the past are in the past. Time will tell. And then he goes on in the long email to list a whole series of grievances about things that he believed that I did or didn't do, and that how fundamentally that that lacked fidelity and trustworthiness, and how I have always been a lousy friend, and he just woke up to the fact 
And then he ends with, please don't waste your time and mine with emails. I no longer care. Time for me to move on. I have. Well, I want you to know that I felt. I felt a lot. What do you think I felt? Hurt? Pain? Anger? Yeah, I was mad. I just went right to mad. Just, <laughs> just right to mad. Oh, and what do you think I did? Yeah. You know, if emotion does anything for us, it makes us passionate and gives us physical energy to do it. I had creativity coming out the kazoo, I'll tell you. I have never been more creative in my life. My fingers were flying, and I don't even know how to keyboard, right? I was, it was brilliant. I wrote a masterpiece. It was beautiful. It was delicious. I only wish that Ann and Bonnie were home to enjoy this experience. The only moderating people in my life were gone. All to myself, it was wonderful, and I fixed him. I responded, and I let him know it point by point where he was absolutely wrong. I corrected his errors, and I got him, I want you to know, and I hit a key. Oh, I'm not as good as hitting delete. You, <laughs> you, you have no midterm memory. No, no, I am not that good. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but thank God it wasn't sent. It was save as a draft. Yeah. I should have had the bumper sticker that I saw yesterday. It was a warning sign. It was a warning with warning in red and then black block letters under it. And under warning it said, I have no filters. That was me that day. You know, apparently I'm not alone. In fact, research tells us that experiences like mine are actually pretty common. In a recent study, well over half of participants said that fairly recently that they had been dumped by a friend. And this is what's remarkable. The emotions that we experience in being dumped by a friend is very similar to the emotion that we feel when we're ghosted by a romantic partner. It affects us deeply. A researcher tells us why. He says, and I quote, with ghosting, we know that there are four fundamental needs that get threatened. Our need of belonging, our sense of meaningful existence, our sense of control, and our self-esteem are all threatened. No wonder I felt. Thank God I felt I knew I was still alive, I felt. And then, enjoying my anger and my amazing creativity, I remembered this line in Scripture. It's familiar to probably most of us, maybe not this particular version. It says, go ahead and be angry. Stop, period, that's all I needed. <laughs> Love that verse. As you know, the Bible will say anything you wanted to say anytime and anywhere. Be angry, yes. And then it says, you do well to be angry. I just commentate, that's an indication of being made in God's likeness and image, the Imago Dei. 
It's an indication that I'm actually alive, that there's still some pulse. You do well when you're poked to be angry. And then, of course, he gives us a path forward. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Hmm. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Now, this line of the Bible shows brilliant and remarkable parsing between the idea and the experience of experiencing emotion in contrast to personally identifying with that emotion. Notice how he separates it. You do well to be angry, but, but process that in a way that doesn't make your angry you, but that you use it to feel something else in a helpful way and move through that process, try to get through it before you go to bed. Helpful advice. Like me, just plan to get angry in the morning. It gives you a lot longer runway to take care of this mess by the evening. I understand that our convention in English in North America is to say, I got mad. Or sometimes we say, I am angry. I'm not quibbling with that, but just recognize what we're saying. When we use the tense, I am angry, we're identifying with the anger. So we went from I am Jared, which is my identity, to I am angry, which is another identity. I am identifying with the emotion. And once I identify with the emotion, it's very difficult for me to separate my who from that. And so Scripture brilliantly parses the two. Uh, go ahead and get angry. You do well to get angry. There's nothing wrong with anger. It's a part of being human. But in your anger now, deal with that separate thing called anger in a way that leads you toward better and more helpful ends. You see, the problem giving evil an opportunity is not that I experience the emotion. It's that I identify with the emotion and make it my own so that I carry it on in the attitudes and behaviors that I'm going to have. I think that quick and helpful emotions are very different from personal identification with those. Now, you all know this, but let's just be on the same page and let me remind you that anger long-term doesn't uh, help us or others very well. In fact, on a personal basis, we're told that anger is a large risk factor for violent behavior, including road rage, domestic violence, murder. Anger can lead to health effects, including a heightened inflammation and a risk of chronic illness. It reduces our lung capacity, creates chronic pain, digestive problems, increased depression, and anxiety. And anxiety, anger immediately peaks our blood pressure and our heart rate. And in the two hours following an anger episode, our risk of heart attack increases five times. I want to learn to deal with anger. And so I discovered when reading the email that I need to have three anger rules because I need God's wisdom to process the gift of an anger emotion. Now, we're moving to part two of a three-part talk. In the third part, I'm going to give you my three anger rules. But in this part, I want to actually, from Scripture, find a foundation for each of those. And I'm going to be picking some verses that come right out of Romans chapter 12. They'll come up on the screen. Later this afternoon, I encourage you to take the time to read the last two-thirds of the chapter that we call Romans chapter 12 in your Bible. God thought it was very important for us to have very clear instructions on how to deal with 
complex relationships. And that's where we're drawing this wisdom today. So foundation number one comes from verse 21. It says this, don't be overcome with evil, overcome evil with good. Ah, what a brilliant piece of wisdom. God knew how you're designed far, uh, far before the Apostle Paul wrote these words. And when the Apostle Paul wrote these words, he still did not know the science about what was being addressed that we know. So it's kind of fun to put it all together. But we've all had this experience. The way we are wired is that when we perceive threat, that our unconscious, subconscious mind triggers our physiology before our conscious mind is aware of the threat. So your body acts before you have the thought. And the body reaction we talk about is fight, flight, and freeze. We're familiar with that. Uh, Ann and I, in a couple of weeks, get to do grands camp. And so we're going to go with our four grandchildren uh, for, uh, for camping for four days. And we have been searching to find a place within 200 miles that doesn't have bugs. <laughs> no bugs in summer. And the two kinds of bugs we're particularly not wanting are mosquitoes, that's primarily for me, and bees, and that's primarily for the kids. So we've all seen kids respond to bees, right? And that perceived threat, what is it? It's, it's fight. So some kids will just flail at those bees. I'm going to get you, you stupid bee. And some of them flight, run away, screaming, and then We've all seen this, right? I did it as a kid. I remember it well. A bee was stinging me. Literally, I was watching it sting me, a yellow jacket on my arm. And I was holding my arm and I was screaming. <laughs> and my mother was too intrigued to immediately come to my rescue. <laughs> but compassion, maternal instinct eventually kicked in and she came over and she just flicked it off like that. But fight, flight, freeze is where we go. And if we go there and act before we cognitively engage, it leads us to places that are harmful and difficult. What did I do when I read the email? Fight. Oh, I fought. Oh, I fought. I fought so well. I need an anger rule because I need to know what I should do when my body goes, fight, flight, freeze. Secondly, I need an anger rule because, well, notice it here in verse 17. It says, do not return evil for evil to anyone. Now, I want you to notice an interesting thing and in how this is constructed. It's constructed in the negative. It's constructed with prohibitions. Generally, in the New Testament and the Bible, it's positives. It's, the, it's something is stated on the positive side. It says, do this. It's interesting, isn't it, that these are don't do this. And I think the reason is, is that don't, don't do this is because we have these natural triggers that precede our thinking it through. So the second thing that God knew about how your brain is designed is that you have a bunch of brain cells that are called mirror neurons. And those mirror neurons cause us in a social encounter to engage in like kind. So if you smile at me, I will likely smile back reflexively. If you frown at me, I will likely frown back reflexively. If you sucker punch me in the gut, you know where that's going. It's not fight, flight, freeze. It is now just 
in like, like kind. I'm going to mirror you. And the tendency is to mirror back exactly what came. So he says, don't do that. Don't mirror back like for like, but respond back with something very different from that. Now, we know the, the law of physics. For every action, there is <laughs> an equal and similar reaction, right? So that's the mirror. Let's take this same phrase and kind of redeem it around Christ-like values and wisdom. So for every action, there is an equal and similar reaction, but the reaction is switched so that it's just as intense. It's just as energetic. It's just as thoughtful. It's just as creative. It packs the same punch, but it packs a very different punch. Don't return evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Fortunately, and of course I'm only telling you one story out of 58 weeks, one story that I look reasonably good in. Fortunately, on that day, I had the response to save the message as a draft. And fortunately, the next morning when I got up and I read it and was once again rather pleased with myself and impressed with how good it was because it was a masterpiece response, I deleted the draft. Because the draft had no place in this greater and larger economy of relationships. And so I learned something there. I promised that there were three. The third foundation is this. It's verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. <laughs> well, uh, the word there is persecute. I, I just want you to know that as an American, I use that word very, very cautiously as it relates to our experience. We're not persecuted, folks. One of the privileges for Ann and me is to be a part of an organization called the Global Association of Church Multiplication. To be a participant, other than a few of us that are especially fortunate, uh, the, 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 the leader uh, to, to be a member has to be leading a movement of at least 2,000 uh, churches, a church planting movement of at least 2,000 churches. These people come together annually. And as we rub shoulders with them and talk about their stories, folks, we hear stories of persecution. So I use that word very cautiously as it relates to our experience. But let me be generous today and apply it to myself and to us with a very expansive definition, which says anytime that somebody is pushing back against us and is impinging our character and our faith in the process of doing that, very generous. And that's what happened in this story. He was saying, I've known you well for 15 years, and I didn't know what a lousy slob you were. You lack fidelity and honesty. You don't fulfill your word. You don't come through on your commitments. And I have been stupid because I chose for you as a friend. He was pushing back on my integrity. And this is what it says. When that happens to you, make sure you send an email response immediately to fix them. <laughs> I only wish. No, it says bless. Bless. It's the opposite of what you got. Bless and do not curse. I think God knew that not only did he wire us in a way to respond to perceived threats so that there is fight, flight, or flee, freeze, 
that we're wired in a way that immediately wants to mirror back what we have gotten. But we are also designed in a way that wants, the big word is, equilibrium or homostasis. It's a common playing field, a loving playing field. And what happened was I thought we were on a level playing field for 15 years. And it was a reciprocal relationship. We gave and we took. We were very different people. We gave and took different things. But it was level. And all of a sudden, I got an email where he ramped up his position and looked down at me and told me what a lousy slob I am. And now, in his enlightened state, he's able to describe what I am. And that playing field got leveled. Do you know what happens inside of us when that happens? We immediately want to come back to that homostasis state, and we do it by, I will outjudge you, big boy. And the long bony finger of judgment comes out, and now I'm going to put him in his place. I'm going to fix his wrong thinking. I'm going to correct his error. I'm going to let him know what a judgmental creep he is. And that long bony finger of judgment will pop out even before we're thoughtful about what's going on. And so he says, I want you to bless and not curse. So what did I do later that day? I've deleted the email. That was a loss in itself. (laughs) I thought, well, I want to respond. Uh, He said not to email him, so I shouldn't email him. I'm going to try to be respectful here. But we talk on the phone and, and we text. So I started doing a text and I thought, that, that really doesn't capture the tone of what I want. And so I thought I'll give him a call. I was very thoughtful about the call. This was a complex call. It needed to be very brief, three or four sentences max. I assumed he wouldn't pick up. I was ready for voicemail. I wanted it to be friendly, but not flippant. I wanted to acknowledge the gravity of what he had communicated without giving in to agreeing with it. I wanted to invite the opportunity for conversation if he wanted to have a clarifying conversation, but I also wanted to acknowledge that sometimes when a relationship is damaged, clarifying what did or didn't happen really isn't the most helpful thing forward. And then I wanted to leave the door open for communication, but I didn't want to require anything of him to make a response. I wanted it to be unilateral. So it's not all that hard to do, but it requires a little bit of thought. I just called and I said, hey, hey Sam, I got your email. It was quite a shock. You probably are not surprised that it was a surprise for me. Uh, you know, as I, as I read through it, it just, I was reminded of how much I appreciate you and what our friendship has been. Uh, there's several things that you mentioned that I have another point of view on. If you'd like to have a conversation about those, I'd be happy to, but I also understand that sometimes talking stuff out really isn't the helpful thing to do. I want you to know that I hope that we have future relationship, and I'm just available anytime you might want to talk. And I hung up. Well, I did pretty well that day, didn't I? Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you know how I felt after doing all that? Mad. Hurt. This is a loss. This is a big deal. And you know, I'll tell you, I think that this gift called anger, we need to let it do its work. It really is an emotion that prompts action and gives energy and creativity to us. And with practice, we can discover that we can let the reflective reactions of fight, flight, freeze, mirroring, and judging 
pass by just kind of like unwanted and uninteresting posts until we find a space that's big enough for us to have some creativity to bring good instead of evil and to bring healing instead of hurt in that situation. Well, I promised that I would give you my three anger rules. So here they are. They're brilliant. Sit on the edge of your seat. You're going to want to write these down. And if you don't write them down, they're so short, you'll remember them and they will plague you for life. So here they are. Anger rule number one comes right off the first foundation is feel. Feel. Folks, the fact that you feel an emotion is not a bad thing. It is a neutral thing that means you are still alive, and that is a good thing. Feel. We have the tendency, depending upon what our life experience has been, to deal with emotions in one of two extreme and unhelpful ways. The first one, which was my family of origin and upbringing, was to deny it. So emotion was perceived to be bad, therefore I deny it. When we deny emotion, there's no way for us to move forward and process that or enjoy the potential benefits of that. Yeah. In fact, if I deny it in a situation like this where I was starting a grief process, grief being separated from something that you value, grief process, the first stage is denial. If I would have lived in denial, I would have never been able to process through what was happening in this relationship. There's denial on one side. On the other side of not wanting to feel is that I feel so much that I get stuck there and I begin to identify my new self around this new set of feelings. And sometimes that's expressed in phrases like, I need to speak my own truth, which is true, but be thoughtful about which truth you need to express. When I am mad at my friend, I do not need to express the truth to him of every thought that I have. But once I get moved through to a place of reasonable, thoughtful, purposeful, chosen, intentional truth, now it's time for me to engage in that. The first thing I need to do is feel. Did I ever feel? And the point is that I want to be able to reclaim, excuse me, I want to be able, I want to be able in that feeling to validate my experience and my pain. I am really mad. I am hurt. I am shocked. I feel stunned. And all of that acknowledgement says, I care for him that much. Well, the second one is uh, to breathe. Your mom was right. <laughs> Take a deep breath and count to what? Say it quickly. I'm still holding my breath <laughs> to 10, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, she was on the right path. Recent research suggests that we should count to 15, 15. And what happens when I take the deep breath? What's happening for you physiologically and psychologically is that you're actually giving your prefrontal cortex and your conscious mind time to catch up with what has been happening in your subconscious mind and in your body. And when I breathe and take time, I'm beginning to engage. And here's what I suggest you do as Christ followers. On the exhale, exhale this prayer. Guide me, Holy Spirit. When Paul writes 
to the churches of Galatia, and he talks about this amazing battle that we're in. He talks about the flesh and the spirit, flesh, the old nature. It's what we do habitually. We learned how to do this stuff. It's counterproductive. It's not helpful. Hurts ourselves and others. And then there's the life of the spirit, being led by the spirit, actually tying into the, the power of Christ-likeness and the power of the Spirit. It's always helpful to us and to others. He talks about the middle. He talks about these two, but he doesn't talk about the middle. He talks about the middle in Romans chapter 12. The middle is we are emotional beings. Appreciate it. Own it. Be articulate about it. Be aware of it. And accept it as a set of gifts from God and part of his likeness and image, and part of our human experience. But then the choice we make is to move to the flesh or to move to the spirit. And when we take this breath that says, guide me, Holy Spirit, the language Paul uses, those who are led by the spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's the fulcrum point. The prayer is the fulcrum point. And when we're led by the Spirit, we know that our experience is going to express things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy Spirit, guide me. So I feel, I breathe, and then thank God I get to act. Yes, I have all this pent-up energy and creativity. It needs to go someplace. Listen, just respond intentionally. You know, this gift of anger, this gift of emotion, it can be abused or widely, widely used. It is a temptation, but it's also an opportunity. Oh, it's part of being human and being alive. Just act for good. I want to close with the goal. Sometimes in a talk, you start with the goal and say, how do you get there? This talk, we've reversed it. And you may well be having the question, so what? <laughs> this is all nice, but why is it such a big deal? What is it really supposed to accomplish? And tucked away in the middle of Romans chapter 12, Paul has the goal. It's the North Star. It's the purpose for this. It's what it looks like if you pull it off. And it's in verse 18 that says this. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with, say it with me. I hate that word. I only have a few categories, but they are well-defined. It may be people who like Biden. It may be people who like Trump. It may be an X. It may be a step. It may be the whatever, but they certainly aren't everyone. They're the exceptions to everyone. You mean everyone? Yeah. Look at this with me clause by clause. If it is possible, is this a promise? No. Is this a certainty? No. Is it a possibility? Yeah. It's a maybe. This might work. If you do it right, it might work. Isn't that interesting? Aren't there very few places in Scripture that give us that conditional clause? Try this. It's the right thing to do. 
And it might work. (laughs) And then he says, your part is 100%. It's not like optional and you can't hedge it. All in as far as it depends on you. So Jared, big boy, with your little creative fingers there at your little computer, yeah, as far as it depends on you, you're going to work toward the goal. And the goal in this situation is the possibility to live at peace with Sam into the future. That's the goal. Hmm. We're told that people lose about half of their friendships every seven years. I should have actually that day been grateful that we beat the odds. Yeah, very few friendships last long term. We beat the 50-50 odds at year seven. We beat the 25-75% odds at 14. We were already into year 15 before the wheels came off of this thing. You know, honestly, you know, Jared, when are you going to grow up and realize that there is a transitional nature to most friendships? They don't all have to end this stinky, but the nature of friendships in life is somewhat transient. Well, you might ask as I wrap, how are things going with Sam? Well, it's complicated. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I send an occasional text. He's never responded. That's not so good. But he has not filed a restraining order against me. And that's good. Yeah. As far as it depends on him, me, I'm going to try to be friendly but not bug him. I'm not getting any feedback. Apparently, I'm not blocked, so I don't really know what to do. So I don't bug him, but occasionally a little note that just says, hey, thinking of you, sure appreciate the friend that you've been, or something that doesn't require a response. You know, there may be a point that I stop sending him anything. I think we're getting close to that. I think he's made his point, and I think I've probably made mine. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. I will, even by leaving him alone, make a choice to live at peace in that former good relationship. So what have I learned? Well. I've been wired with a natural impulse, so have you. When I perceive danger, boy, it's fight, flight, or flee, freeze. And if you punch me, boom, I'm going to mirror back. And if you one-up me and judge me, baby, you haven't seen nothing yet. I've learned that God has given us a wise path. I call them anger rules to get my better thinking back in place. To feel, to breathe, and then to act. And I've learned that the big goal of that massive passage in Romans 12 is as far as it depends upon me, live at peace with everyone. As the band returns, it may have dawned on you that this talk really has been a description of how God deals with you. When I wag my finger at him and I'm critical about what he has or hasn't done in my perception and I haven't gotten the answers that I want and I'm, I'm letting him, I'm giving him the what for, 
Yeah, God's already responded. God has already felt. The God we serve is a very emotional God. The, the, the Bible from start to finish is a book of his emotions. Very emotional toward you. He has felt everything we've stuck our finger out to poke him in the eye. And he's breathed. And he acted. Jesus summarized that action this way. For God so loved the world, you could put your name in there and personalize it, that he gave his only son so that whoever, you can put your name in there, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God has decided to act in opposite kind toward you. You just can't poke him in the eye enough to provoke him to write you off. And he's just breathing and smiling and waiting. The door is open. You just say yes to Jesus. And he just comes and restores that relationship that you were designed for. The folks that were baptized today, and wasn't that just so great? They were living out what we know spiritually happens when we say yes to Jesus. Identifying with his death, with his burial, and with his resurrection, and coming out and now identifying with his fresh life. That's what he said, so that we can live everlasting life. Would you stand and would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for deciding in advance how you were going to treat us. And today, all of us today, we receive you. We receive you again. We receive you in fresh ways. We respond to your text. We respond to your call. We say yes to your love. We receive your forgiveness. We invite the fullness of your spirit to make us Christ-like in our relationships with others. And we ask that you'd give us the good sense and the courage to take the moment to engage with you in those difficult relationships and experiences that we may have this week. And we thank you, God, that you've modeled the way. Thank you, Lord, for absorbing what you've taken from us, for being thoughtful and gracious about how you would respond and for acting and giving us the gift of forgiveness through Jesus. We receive you today in your name, faithful, faithful one.